0: Give Rabbi Ari, a warm round of applause. Um, when uh, Rabbi Ari and I first met years ago, I actually don't know exactly where, I guess it was through Abundant Life initially. Um, they came to use some space at Abundant Life see if that might be possible, and it didn't end up working out, but we became friends through that process and would run into each other at the Jewish Street Fair Festival and all the other things around because. He goes to Israel quite a bit, and I go to Israel quite a bit, and so we became um, good friends with that, um, and then last January, you guys heard the story, without even asking, he offered the space here um, as, as a way to be able to bless us, so we are incredibly humbled by that and thankful for it, and it's really, truly the beginning of reconciliation, um, because I don't know if you know this, but there's kind of a, you know, difficult, painful history um, between Jews and Christians. It's about 2,000 years old. Um, Not quite, maybe 1900 years Um, And in that, I think we as Christians, we as followers of Jesus Actually don't know all the time our history quite well enough And we don't understand that there has been quite a bit done In the name of Jesus um, To harm, to uh, marginalize, and even to kill Our brothers and sisters of the Jewish faith and so part of reconciliation for me as a follower of Jesus comes first in saying, I'm so sorry that that happened. And reconciliation for me starts with an apology and a, rec- a recognition that things have been done that are unspeakable atrocities. And that they, even though they weren't done by me personally, because I belong to the community of those who follow Jesus, I take great joy in the opportunity to say, I'm sorry, to confess those sins and to start a process of healing and to start a process of living differently. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that reconciliation needs is that we can always go and say, I'm sorry, those of you who are married or in friendships or relationships, if you go and say you're sorry, that's great. But unless there's somebody on the other side of that relationship, also willing to reach towards you and start to build a bridge and a friendship and to extend forgiveness Um, and extend a process of being able to build reconciliation and build a bridge, then you're sitting there all by yourself alone in a room saying, I'm sorry. And that's good, but it's helpful to have a partner. And so in Rabbi Ari, Spark Church has a partner in reconciliation, and we're really thankful for that. We're thankful for the ways in which he and Etz Chaim, the community here. For those of you who don't know, Congregation Etz Chaim is the name of the community that we're in, and Etz is tree, and Chaim means life. So this congregation is the tree of life here in Palo Alto. So we're very thrilled to be able to share space and to start the process of healing and start the process of um, finding the things that we have in common. We fully recognize that there are important distinctions between um, Rabbi Ari's faith journey and between our faith journey. But there are also, there's so much in common and there's so much to share. And as we learned in the weeks when we were studying love, we talked about God's love for us, but we also talked about our love for one another, yeah, and our love for our neighbors, and our love for our enemies, and, and in a future week, we'll spend a lot of time chatting a bit more about what it really means to love our brother, love our sister, and in fact, it's kind of appropriate since this week is the Torah portion for this past week, it's about reconciliation between brothers, um, in fact, there's a lot in there that we learned from Rabbi Ari yesterday in Torah study. So, um, much to continue to learn together. But to all of that, um, we actually have a gift we want to give you. Um, give to. That's Hanukkah fine. Present. It's a Hanukkah present. Yes, Hag Sameach. Happy Holidays. You guys know it's the second night of Hanukkah tonight. And Rabbi Ari's going to teach us a Hanukkah song, which will be really fun. Um, I, I don't know if you know this, but um, Jesus celebrated Hanukkah. <laughs> did you know that? Yeah, so you're cool tonight. The <laughs> <non-reason> <laughs> electric menorah. He didn't have an electric menorah. He was a bit out of date on that. But he is recorded in the book of John at being the feast of dedication. And um, it, we can talk all about that someday. It's really fun. Mm-hmm. Pastor Kevin, would you grab a gift for us? Not Kevin Deere.
1: Kevin Deere, yeah, that's
0: that's incredible. So,
1: um, put the, the, <laughs> the guitar on pretty truly. I did. Okay. <laughs> Thank you.
0: Okay, so, um, we have this, this small gift that we'd like to give your
1: congregation.
0: You can open it, and we're also going to show you what it does on the video. What it does, yeah, careful. battery operated. <laughs> this is robotic exactly. <laughs> a robotic Exactly. A new rabbi. Take over. Right. Yeah, you can have assistant. There you go. Perfect. Oh, no. perfect. Okay, okay um, so to Rabbi Ari Carton, Executive Director Ellen Bob, who's not here this evening, the board and all members of congregation at times, it's with great joy that we celebrate the Feast of Hanukkah by- <laughs> <laughs>
1: Can I
0: help? I can. I can. It's a puzzle. I, <laughs> I can help. I can
1: help. You got it. You. All right. Okay,
0: great. Yeah, there we go. Okay. It's tied because I anticipated that chaos. Just just pull the thread. See that little bow? There you go. This is a piece of art that is the tree of life. Wow. But when it's lit, it does this. It will be lit, right, honey? It's coming. Okay. (laughs) Are we sure? Oh, here we go. Oh my goodness. Isn't that cool? That yeah, is cool. <laughs> so when the Tree of Life is lit, the Etz Chaim, it casts the shadow of the Star of David.
1: Oh wow. It's a bad angle. It's a angle. Wow.
0: <laughs> wow. Isn't that name, It's a um, piece of art designed by two designers, and we've got all the information on it here.
1: I think I'll put it out next week without lighting it and see if people can figure out what happens. <laughs> 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 That's appropriate. And you know. one wins gets a free jelly donut. So yeah. <laughs> well, Jews will have a good question. Yeah? So you can have a good thank question you.
0: there. It's with great joy that we celebrate the Feast of Hanukkah by blessing God for the light that shines brightly through Congregation at fame. On behalf of Spark Church family, we want to thank you for your friendship, love, support, and partnership. For the many years of lovely conversations and mutual appreciation to now the incredible blessing of sharing worship space, Spark Church is indebted to you. You truly have given us not just a place to call home, but a place that feels like home. As a small token of our appreciation, please accept this gift entitled The Shadow of David. As the tree of life in this sculpture is illuminated, it casts the shield of David upon the wall. It's a beautiful first symbol for us of the way in which God's light shines through the tree of life that is congregation of Casting the light of the Magen David for both Jews and Gentiles in Palo Alto and beyond. We pray that when you look upon it, your hearts will be warmed and encouraged by the many ways in which your light shines. It's our prayer that Congregation Etz continues to be a beacon of light for the Jewish people for many generations to come, blessing all who come into your midst for the glory and renown of the God of Israel, just as you've blessed us. May the shalom and love of God continue to mark your every breath and step, and may you know that in spark. You have friends for a lifetime who will stand and testify to the greatness of the God of Israel and to the Jewish people. For the King and His Kingdom, Pastor Danielle, Pastor Kevin, and the entire Spark.
1: Community. Wow. You said you was going to give me something, but I wasn't sure. It was kind of cool.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, um, this isn't working Um. My father was a Jew, but he became non-practicing, and together they totally hid from me anything that was religious. And so I found it out by myself. What I found out later on was that I never was not religious, and I never knew it. I never had vocabulary for it, but I'll tell you more about that some other time. Anyway, I have cousins who are Catholic priests. I lived in one of my cousin's parishes. I have a cousin who's a Jesuit another one who was the TV priest of St. Louis, and another was a Baptist minister. And we all got along really well. I mean, we didn't... My family was a model of tolerance. We all got along really, really well. My cousins and I still get along really, really well. They send me all kinds of Christian greetings. I send them all kinds of other greetings. We send each other these greeting, greeting, greetings, and we, it's, it's, a, it's a really cool thing. I also went to an interfaith apprenticeship seminary in Washington, D.C. for a year where I learned with other hopeful... Holy Joes and holy Joets, and uh, we tried to, to learn a lot as much as we could from each other and when I was at Stanford, I was the rabbi at Stanford for a couple decades plus, and I put together the Stanford Associated Ministries, so everybody who was of some sort of religion could get together and find common ground and learn from each other. Uh, I also spent a lot of time uh, with the Dean of the chapel who would. Take a bunch of us of random religions to different dormitories, and we would always, you know, do our thing together. So, um, I have spent most of my life in conversation with peoples of other faiths, and you'll find out in a minute when I talk about it how I look at other faiths and how I judge other faiths, and it's not by the faith. Uh, that's the simplest thing. Anyway, this is a Hanukkah song. It's called Rock of Ages. It doesn't mean Rock of Ages. It means Granite Fortress. <laughs> Ma oz but it was translated as Rock of Ages, and so there's an English version, because they wanted to sound like the, the, the Christian song. Back in the beginning of the 20th century, Jews tried to do everything we could to be as Christian as we could. But, um, and later it took a while to figure out how it was possible to be distinct and not obnoxious. Not all of us had learned that, but <laughs> of any religion. But anyway... <laughs> I'm going to sing the first two verses in Hebrew, and then I'm going to sing the next three in English. You can feel free to join in anywhere you want to. And the reason I'm going to do the first two in Hebrew is, so, number one, so you can hear them, and number two, so that you'll get the melody down by the time we do the English and feel comfortable joining in.
2: Ma'oz Ti yeshuati He T'ikon bet tefilah ti v'sham to'tan izo beach Le'tachin mat beach mitzoham na beach Azek mo b'shir mizmo hanukat hamiz beach the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord (laughs) I war nick alai az em meh has mani u fault zu homod mig da kan kan Asanes leshoshanim V'nevi'na yemeshmona Kavushil unanim V'nevi'na yemeshmona Kavushil unanim English. Rock of Ages, let our song praise your saving power. You amid the raging foes were our sheltering tower. Furious they assailed us, but your arm availed us. And your word broke their sword when our When our own strength failed us, and your word broke their sword, when our own strength failed us, kindling new the holy lamps, priests approved in suffering, purified the nation's shrine, brought to God their offering. And God's courts surrounding, In joy abounding, happy throng singing songs with a mighty sounding, happy throng singing songs with a mighty sounding. Children of the Maccabees, whether free or fettered, wake the echoes of the song where you may be scattered. Yours the message cheering that the time is nearing. Which will see all people free, tyrants disappearing. Which will see all people free, tyrants disappearing. Yeah. Well, thank you. So I'll talk a little bit. I,
1: The question, and I I was going to write this uh, for our congregation as well. A lot of the congregation, actually most do not know that you meet here yet. We haven't made it a big deal. But I'm going to introduce you to them in an article that I'm writing for our congregation in January. But I... I want to start here, and I appreciate your comments afterwards, like what I could say better, how I could better phrase it. And if you don't talk back to me, I'll wonder what you're doing here, because my entire congregation <laughs> talks back to me the entire time. So feel free to amend on the fly. Anyway, why, <laughs> why does Eitz Chaim rent our facility, mostly this room, which is called the Beit Knesset, or meeting hall, or sanctuary, uh, to a, you, a startup Christian church? You didn't seek us out, as Danielle said, as much as I invited you to come. And it was somewhat, as we say in Yiddish Basharat, it was somewhat faded because she was thinking those thoughts when I was offering them. I've known Danielle and Kevin for several years. We tried to rent Abundant Life for our High Holiday services. We have many more people that can fit in this room. We weren't actually here at that time. I'll tell you about that in a second. more than we can fit in this room. And, uh, and so we wanted that space if we could. And somehow Danielle got on our side as part of the ministerial staff. She was actually taking our case forward. She worked very closely with my assistant, Sharon, at that time. And, uh, and so that's when I got to meet her. And in, in the end, we actually did do some recording. We used the room over in Abundant Life to do some recording for uh, some of the songs for our morning worship service. But in any case... When I started with Eitz Chaim in 1996, we were meeting in the First Presbyterian Church somewhere close to downtown on Lincoln, uh, in Palo Alto. And um, they were kind enough to incubate us, as it were, as a a term is used for startups. And it turns out that one of our veteran members of our congregation had grown up as a member of Colomet, which is another conservative congregation over that way. And when they were... Being incubated, they were also incubated at First Presbyterian Church. So as a kid, she grew up at First Presbyterian Church in a synagogue. Then she left, got married, had a kid, and came back to First Presbyterian Church as a synagogue. She's the only one who knows us from both of, uh, that church from both of those occasions. Now, what's it like for a Jewish congregation to meet in a church? And I'll start with that before I get to what it's like for you to meet in a synagogue. First of all, you should know that our, we, we could not use the main uh, sanctuary because it had too many pictures. And not of our own story. So we used their social hall. And the social hall only had a, the only piece of picture in the social hall was a small, about that big, uh, hanging, wall hanging that had a picture of their building. And so they had a cross on top because the building had a cross on top. But that was basically it. And everything that we used, all of our furniture and the Torah scrolls and the prayer books and the Torah books, they were all in a closet. And every time we had any kind of service at all, it took us at least 15 to 20 minutes to set it up, just like you do here. It's just, you know, pull it out, put it in. It's kind of the military chapel version, which is every uh, Padre comes out and takes out their equipment and puts it back in the closet. And then the next Padre comes out and takes out their equipment and puts it back in the closet. So that's what it was like. It was just a room, and we met there for many, many years. So one thing that was very uh, convenient, is it actually had a sukkah, a little tabernacle, so that, uh, and it was close to what we would do, but it was very small, like five by five. So basically, you know, it was, you get one or two or five people, and that was it. Ours is now 25 by 25, and we can get 60 people at tables. But that was nice. The one thing, the one room we met in was on Saturday mornings. We had services in a little chapel, and it did have a picture of Jesus in it, but it was way up on top of the wall, and you couldn't see it unless you turned the light on. And it had a light behind the stained glass, and then, So we didn't turn the light on, but, but, (laughs) but, but it was, you know, it was there, and it was a nice little chapel. Anyway, it was very, very nice to, to actually be there, and then, uh, but the the biggest problem for us was that we had our school in a, in a school building, so we were in different places, JLS, we were at Colomet, or we were at Barron Park School, or whatever it was, and we had our congregational offices in a little strip mall on San Antonio, and so, as uh, they said to the Scarecrow, that's you all over. And that was us all over. We were never able to do anything that allowed us to join ourselves together. We felt like we were cut apart in lots of different places. In any case, I don't know what it's like for you to be here among our furniture. And I opened this so you could see. The, that is the tree of life. And one of the branches goes through the ark with the Torah. Because we say that Torah is a tree of life. It's from the book of Proverbs. And, so, and the ark there is built to be exactly twice the dimensions of the ancient ark. It's upright instead of being this way, and it's twice the size for, cause for Torah scrolls instead of stone tablets, but that's that. So you don't usually see this much because you have the screen come down so you can see the words. And I noticed that, uh, that uh, Danielle and Kevin have been editing references to God to use zeros to indicate divinity, and that's another talk some other time too, but that's some craziness that I do. Anybody does it? Somebody's seen me sometime. Anyway, um, yeah. So and we have these brand new uh, menorahs, candelabra, Uh, They were given to us this particular week, and this one, uh, to say that it's the first day of Hanukkah, I'm going to put it over in that room over there, facing Alma, and I'm going to turn the second one on before I leave, so we try to let everyday people driving by up and down Alma know what day of Hanukkah it is. But what it is like for you to meet in a synagogue and to walk in and see all these symbols to the extent that you do, I don't know. I have, like I say, an idea because I know what it was like for us to meet in a church. Before Spark Church decided to take us up on our offer, we rented to two other organizations, religious organizations. The first was a Buddhist retreat that they wanted to have here. And when they came to us and asked could they use our facility, we had to develop a policy. And the policy we decided on was as long as, since we're a monotheistic second commandment congregation, we don't have pictures of God, anything that could be understood as a God. And so some Buddhist worship has have little statues of Buddha and things like that. But we checked it out with them, and we decided as a congregation, as long as there was no iconography and our attempt to reconcile God as being something that is representable in human form or any other kind of form, then that would be our, our standard for renting out. And so we rented to the Buddhists, and they had a good time. And then it was a one off. And then we had, all, I don't know what. And then we had a Hindu school, Hindi, I see, Hindi school, and you know. Uh, Hinduism has a lot of gods and they represent them concretely in statues and other ways and so we had a conversation. They wanted to use our facility for a year and uh, to use it as an after-school supplemental school in the Hindi language and we determined they were not going to use any iconography so we, we rented to them as well so you can see that even though we do have a thing with uh, with idols as long as they're not in here we don't have a problem with them and I'll get to that in a little bit more detail in a second. Uh, The biggest problem that kept us from being at Abundant Life was that the the clergy team and the lay board had to agree that we could be there. And and they didn't rent to us, not because of any kind of anti-Jewish sentiment, but because we don't recognize Jesus as being part of divinity any more than I am or you are. And that, by the way, is not a, a little statement to me. It means a lot. When I look in your eyes, I'm looking in God's eyes. That's the way I see it. But, um, so that, that, that was why. And they never rendered it to us, and now we meet on the high holidays at the Jewish Community Center. But in any case, when we started talking with Kevin and Danielle about the building and about you, them, you guys using it, we had conversation. I did, we didn't have to have much of one, because I knew well enough, but... Uh, but we just had to be sure that this would be the same kind of situation, and it is. So we have no problem with the fact that your belief system and our belief system, while very similar in most regards, have some concrete symbols that we do not share. Now, I'm not a Christian, so why did I invite you to come? As Danielle said, we haven't always had the most wonderful history between us. And there are many Jews, most of us, since we're so small a people, and we're basically overwashed by everybody, especially during this time of the year when you know, the airwaves are full of Christian songs, uh, Christmas songs. You go to any mall, you can't avoid it. Um, well, why would I invite you to come? And this is what's most important to me. First of all, we were incubated in a church, so turnabout is fair play. I think we owe a church. First press doesn't need to be started up again, but you guys do. And second of all, because Danielle had gone to bat for us so many times in the the clergy uh, of Abundant Life, I owed it to her. And she was out there, you know, I don't know how much opprobrium she risks by being that way, but... It was not a popular position, and so I owe them for that. But there's a more important reason why I don't mind, and this has to do with two things. First of all, the nature of my theology, and Jewish theology as a standard. And number two, how we as Jews judge other religions. What's the nature of my theology? There is a prayer we have, it's called Kaddish, which means sanctification. It's sanctifying God's name even though we don't know what it is. Now we have the consonants for God's name, but we don't pronounce them anymore. So we don't ever pronounce God's name. All we ever say is Hashem, which means the name, or Adonai, which means my Lord. But even then, the whole purpose of the Kaddish, which follows every subsection of our worship service and is repeated after a person dies, is to say this. Here's the essence of the prayer. Grand and holy be the great name in the world created by its will, the will of the name. Blessed, lauded, beautified, exalted, uplifted, glorified, raised high in praise, etc., etc., etc. Be the name of the holy that will be above, above all blessings, songs, praises, and consolations that are uttered in this world. And let us say amen. On the high holy days we say, though it be above above, that's why it's called the high holy days, because we believe that God is so unreachable by human finite minds. That there's absolutely no way to know it. And therefore, anything we say about God is wrong. The word shem in Hebrew is both name and noun. There's no word, there's no noun, and by extension adjective or verb, that we can use to describe God accurately. Because God is infinite and we are finite. All the words we use are finite. And therefore, everything. there's a problem with every single one of them. For example, God is not love. God is not good. God is not green. God is not up. God is not a noodle. God is not hair. God is not a chair. Because God is all of those and more. God is the entire spectrum of possible being and beyond that. So to say that God is good to us is an idolatrous phrase, even though we use it. And therefore, since we've used it at the end of every prayer session, we say... But we didn't mean it. (laughs) But we like you anyway. So we are going to acknowledge the big noun as bigger than our little minds can deal with. And I hope that's enough for you. And that's what we do. And so we are no more correct than you are in our minds. And you are no more incorrect than we are in our minds. Because none of us with a finite brain and a finite existence can understand infinity. We can't de- if you can't get past the fact that God is not good, and I'll show you in a minute where the Bible says that, um, it's really hard to exist. Here is where the Bible says that God is not good. It's Isaiah 45, verses 6 and 7 following the only identification of any Messiah in the Bible, which is Cyrus, emperor of Persia. That's Isaiah 45, one. Go look it up. But 45, six and 7 is really, really something, and it's one of the first prayers we say in the morning service. And it goes like this. We, we edit it, though. We take out the word evil, because we don't want to give evil a chance to speak. But it goes like this. I, God, emit. There is no other. I am God. There is no other. Forming light, creating dark, doing peace, making peace, and creating evil. I, God, do all these. That is a radical statement of monotheism. That is, if you think that evil comes from another place than God, then who is your other God? They created it. Because if there is only one God, and there is evil, then God created it. And that doesn't mean that we can be evil. We're finite. We have to be a certain way and try to make the world better and make ourselves as good as we can. But when we look at the evil in the world, we know that it came from God. And that's what that verse is there to say. That's what the book of Job says. That's what Ecclesiastes says. Those are the types of things, and that's my theology. And therefore, I don't look at what people believe to see what their religion is. You can talk about it. You can show me a text and it'll make no difference to me because the only thing that I really care about is what we do. If the people in a religion or any philosophical group of human beings treat people and the world and all the beings and lives in it as precious and good and want to leave the world a better place than it was when they found it, then I say your religion is good. And in Not the way you live, then I don't care what you say your religion is. I just look and see what you do. And that's how Jews judge religions. We look at the adherents of the religions. We look at the people who are in it. We look at the people who are teaching it and say, are they the kind of people that looks like what we think God would want? And if that's what we see, then that's who they are. And all the rest of the symbols and metaphors are just ways to get there. Now, it's not that I don't believe in God. I do. It's just that I'm very, very aware that I'm finite. And I can't really know. But I do know that Kevin and Danielle are two of the nicest people I know. <laughs> no, no, I really, I really believe it. That's why I had no problems of offering this. And so, you know, I know I didn't have to ask them what they were going to teach. I knew what they were going to teach. They are going to teach, this is how I live. This is how we live. I'm not a saint. I'm not that good. But I try to walk the walk of the talk that I talk. And that's what I knew they were going to do. And so I knew that this church in this place would send goodness forth. Because they're your teachers. And as long as you try to learn what they model, this will be a good place. And we will be a Jewish congregation proud to have you as our ambassadors. As proud as we would of anybody else in the congregation. When our congregation was at First Presbyterian Church, we used to fondly joke about our services being held at the First Presbyterian Synagogue. (laughs) Now, I don't know if you think of your services being held in the Eitz Chaim Church. But if you do, I think we'll all get the joke and we'll feel comfortable with it. Because we believe there'll be good people here on Fridays, Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays. Our congregation can be proud of the goodness that your pastors and yourselves will be doing leading to a better community and a better world as a whole. And that's all that really matters to me and to our congregation. So with my whole heart, I thank you for this gift, and I welcome you to Eitz Chaim.